The NBA Draft Lottery is far back in the rearview mirror. So is the NBA Combine. But we have got plenty of trade rumors involving the Trailblazers to fill the next month before the NBA Draft on June 22nd. And today, I, Aaron Fetchers, covers the Blazers for the Oregonian, is going to discuss all of those along with our columnist, Bill Orem, who was at the Combine because I was busy watching my daughter tear it up at the 6A Girls Golf Tournament. I'm still bragging about it to anyone who will listen because she rocked the house that helped Sunset finish third. Anyway, we will not talk about that, though. We will talk about the Blazers here on the Sports by Northwest podcast, which is supported by the Pacific Office Automation 147 coming June 2nd and 3rd to the Portland International Raceway. Also, if you want hot takes and legit takes from Bill and myself to come straight to your phone. We have a new campaign involving subtext. All you have to do is sign up by texting 503-386-0095 for a 14-day trial. And Bill and I will send you texts with links to articles, with our opinions on certain things involving all sports in the Northwest, in Oregon, even national stories. And then you can respond to us, tell us how genius we are, well, tell me how genius I am, tell Bill how wrong he is, or vice versa, and then we can respond and go back and forth and have fun. It's a 14-day trial, 503-386-0095. Okay, now that that's out of the way, Bill, you were in Chicago, my birthplace. Did you go to Cubs game, Bill? Oh, they were out of town. Cubs were on the road. so it They was were that, out of town. It, they were out of Houston. Gonna, it was going to be that or the White Sox. It, it, was, it was the White Sox if I was going to make anything, and it didn't line up with the schedule. So uh, no baseball for out. me this time. Last year when I went to the Combine, I – I hadn't been to a Cubs game at Wrigley since I was a kid. I Ubered to Wrigley. I bought an expensive ticket. They got me for a $50 hat. I Ubered back. It was like a $400 day. It was crazy, but it was worth it because it was my first time in Wrigley in a long time. All right. But you were not there to watch baseball. You were there to handle the Blazers' duties while I was busy watching golf. I appreciate you for filling in for me there. Bill, thank you so much. But what did you learn? Let's start there. Like, just we're gonna do. We're gonna talk about a lot of different things today. Trade scenarios involving Dame. Trade scenarios involving different stars around the league who may or may not become available. But first, let's start with just the the combine itself and just a big picture view of what you learned there about the either around the league or specifically the Blazers. Yeah, Aaron. I mean, you've done it, so you know. Um, but for listeners, the combine is a really unique event because most of the league is there in terms of you know general managers, presidents, basketball operations, scouts, assistant GMs, coaches. Um, and it is a pretty fertile ground for reporting and kind of getting a sense of what's going on around the league, or at least what other teams think is going to happen. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because you go to summer league and there's a lot of fans and you, you'll bump into people over on the casino floor and they're all around town in Chicago at the combine. It's all pretty concentrated. There aren't any fans. So it's, um, it's what you might call a target-rich environment from a reporting standpoint. And, you know, the, the big takeaways, I think, are pretty consistent with what you've heard uh, from a lot of the national reporters in terms of um, about what Charlotte's going to do with the number two pick. Um, I think that's where the, the first real question as it relates to the draft. And and the consensus, in, including conversations I've had with people who are close to the, the, the Hornets situation, people who are, you know, further out looking in, the Hornets are expected to take Brandon Miller. Like that is where this is this that's where this is going. Um, I thought it was really telling that Mitch Kupchak, who I covered for six years in Los Angeles, uh, said on the night of the lottery that they would take position into consideration when they were making their selection, which would point to Brandon Miller. And and just 
the the enthusiasm that people with the Hornets seem to have for that for that guy, I think makes um makes that the, the likely pick, which may or may not impact the Blazers roster next season in the sense of would, does that make Scoot Henderson a Blazer? I mean, most people think the Blazers are trading that pick, but Scoot Henderson is seen by most of the league and not not Charlotte apparently, but by most of the league as the number two guy in this draft. So that makes the Blazers pick even more interesting and more appealing in trade talks, gives it maybe a, a, a touch more value. Um, and, you know, I think just makes makes it a really appealing, um, gives it quite a bit of value in trade talks. Now, the question that everyone had when I would say, hey, what are you going to do? What do you think the Blazers are going to do? How would you fix the Blazers? Was who are they getting for that pick? And I know we're going to get into that, Aaron. That is, But that is the fundamental question. You know, the number three mm-hmm. pick has lots of value. But who is it actually going to return? And because it has a lot of value, there's only a certain tier of player that I think you would trade for, you'd trade that pick for. And so then you have to canvas the league and say, who are the guys who are good enough to justify getting the number three, giving up the number three pick? Uh, Who are the guys who could be available? And then how do the teams that have those guys view Scoot Henderson or or where are they in their own timeline where they would want to bring on a 19-year-old point guard who could be really, 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 really good or it could also be a you know a blend of Darren Collison and Tyreek Ty- Evans and be a super high level role player. One of those two. Um, right. So that's kind of what the Blazers are trying to kind of suss out now. But I love the combine because you are just in the thick of it around everybody from the league. I had a chance to chat with Danny Ainge briefly. I invited him to come on the Sports by Northwest podcast. Um, he didn't really stop walking in that conversation. So I'm not <laughs> sure that Danny is is going to be our next guest, but we're going to keep working on him. We've actually been working on Danny Ainge since last fall, so we're going to try again. Uh, we're going to try to keep 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 efforting there. Um, I took a step backward the other day and bumped into Rick Carlisle, uh, who's now the head coach of the Indiana Pacers, and and so you know it's a really uh, it's a really cool event. Um, you know the Blazers were obviously well represented um, on the night of the lottery. Uh, Joe Cronin, Chauncey Billups, Dwayne Hankins, president of business, we're all you know, front and center. And then later in the week, Chauncey, um, J- Joe Cronin, and then all the the assistant GMs and, and scouts that the Blazers have were all on, on, on site at the Combine. I know the Blazers met with Brandon Miller on Thursday at the Combine, so obviously kicking the tires there um, in the event he would still be available and the Blazers would keep their pick. So they're doing their due diligence on – players in the draft and as you have reported and, and talked about you know they have other picks in this draft so they have workouts coming through to Wallison, um you know it looking at those other picks as well as you know i expect you'll see brandon miller and scoot henderson in the facility at some point this spring as well so a whole lot to unpack from the combine yeah. uh, and i'm excited to get into it with you here i want i want to ask you something about charlotte though like the obvious, you know, the whole need versus best player. To me, especially high in the draft, you take best player, period. You worry about positions later. And the thing about Scoot and Mello, both being point guards, is that at least Mello is 6'7", mm-hmm. which means if he ever learns how to play defense, he could guard an opposing two guard and mm-hmm. Scoot could take the point. So if if they really go through this process and say Scoot's the better player, they'd be mm-hmm. crazy not to take him, right? I think there is some of that. And Scoot Henderson came to the combine with a pretty obvious agenda talking about how he can play off the ball. And I mean, mm-hmm. listen, he's reading the room. Look at who has the second and third picks. Yeah. Have yeah exactly. Really entrenched point guards. And, right. and man, when I talk to teams about Scoot Henderson, you know, and I did, I mean, how much did you watch the G league night last year? You know, but um, every night, what are you talking about? <laughs> I had the pass. Um, I, it's, there are teams that just really love him. And then there were a couple people I talked to who said, and, and, 
NBA scouts also tend to be conservative because they don't want to say this is a franchise player and then be wrong. But, you know, I talked to one scout who said Scoot Henderson is, um, I talked to a couple people who said this actually, you know, his, his floor is a really high level reserve. You know, he's got to develop the jump shot, but the thing that people love. Yeah. He only shot like 28% from three, right? Yeah. Um, But he's 19, you know? And I think that that is where you, you don't throw it out necessarily, but you, you can say, you know, we can work with that. And, and, the thing that, you know, he's, I mean, we know he's physically built, right? He's not tall, but he's built like a truck. He has huge hands. Um, so did Noah Vonley. So, I mean, that's not always a great indicator. <laughs> the huge but, hands thing. But, but, um, <laughs> you know, but I, the way he was described to me is just that he's, you know, a man. And the way he plays, yeah. you know, all out, he digs in on defense, is a great defender. He's going to fight defensively. And that really there's no reason he doesn't fit on a team that has an existing point guard. Um, and, you know, that might get awkward over time. If you're the Blazers, I mean, I don't know how you, yeah. I don't know how you're the Blazers and you draft Scoot Henderson and don't feel in so, or and Dame doesn't feel in some way, hey, did you just draft my replacement? I've got four years left on this contract and you just drafted my replacement? That well, not, feels- only, not only that, our, our problem has been lack of height and veteran talent. And you drafted a, another, so we drafted another point guard t- uh, size player on this team. That's the last thing they need. If they draft Scoot Henderson, Dame's out. Well, I, th- I think I think you're probably right, and I I think you're probably right, and I mostly agree with that. But there are ways to to split this baby. You know, I mean, the Blazers don't only have the number three pick in terms of assets. They do have their future first if they can get unencumbered from Chicago. They do have um, they do have Anthony Simons. They do have Yusuf Nurkic's contract. Um, they have they have they have draft capital, and so if they look at Scoot Henderson and say we think he's going to compete right now. We think we can put him with Dame in the backcourt. Yes, that stays small, but it's a different kind of player. He's not, you know, we've seen the shooting small guards um, or small shooting guards, I guess, if you want to go look at it, that makes more sense. Um, but this is a different kind of player who's going to get in and be, you know, that that defensive, you know, dig in dog. Um, I think that that makes at least a certain amount of sense if you can then use what else you have to get more grownups in the room. And and I don't know exactly what that looks like when you're talking about future firsts and ant and so you'd have to trade Sharp it. though. Not necessarily. I don't. Not, necess- not so you, necessarily. Not necessarily. There's, there's no way. There's no way Scoot starts over Sharp. You could have a three guard rotation of of Shaden, Dame, and 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 Scoot. Yeah. You're not winning a title, but you're that could be a good guard rotation. I'm not saying this is what they should do. I'm just saying. No, you, I know you're you, not. I know as you're you not. Game, as you game out the options, if you get Scoot in for your workout, and listen, they're gonna have to sell Dame on it. You know, if they they're going to have to yeah. sell Dame on the idea that this guy is ready, he's ready to do the things that our team needs: guard the perimeter, fight, you know, play off the ball, create. You know, if you can sell Dame on that and, and on him as a player, you know, but it's going to take that buy-in. And based on what we've heard from Damian, that's a really high bar, and so that is a really big well, onus yeah, on Scoot Henderson. I, I would say zero chance that Dame would rather play with Scoot than start Sharp or start or keep and start Ant like. Scoot's, Scoot's going to be viewed by Dame as just another little kid who needs time to grow, just like Ant did. So, uh, to me, if they if they keep that pick and they draft him, Dame's being traded. I think I think that's prob- <laughs> I think that is probably right, but I do think that there has to be an element here. I guess the, the the thing for me is if if you can't find a deal for the pick, if there isn't a deal that makes sense, if you can't get Jalen Brown. If you can't get Mikhail Bridges at a price that makes sense, and we're going to go through all these later. If you can't get yeah. Pascal Siakam, at some point you have to say, this pick still has more value to us. 
and we can trade it down the road. You know, we can draft Scoot and we can trade him at the deadline. I mean, we can do what the Clippers did with, with Shea Gilgis-Alexander. I don't like that scenario. I think the time is now. But you also don't want to be operating from a position of weakness where you have to trade the pick, where you absolutely have to trade the pick. And so I do think that's one thing that Joe Cronin was trying to do at the combine a bit was to regain a bit of that leverage just because people are so sure that the Blazers are going to trade it. Um, And, you know, I I guess there is the, the element, you know, the Blazers used a pick last year that everybody expected them to trade. They did use a pick on a 19 year old at a time when, they were in win now mode and everyone expected that, that trade, that, that pick to go out. You know, they drafted a guy they really liked that they decided had more value to them than, you know, at least, you know, over the longer term. Now it's hard to see them doing that a second straight year. I agree. Exactly. But I, th- I think that Joe Cronin would tell you that he's not afraid to draft a player. He likes if, 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 if he likes that player, even with the stakes uh, involving Lillard. And that's fine. But if they can flip Ant and Sharp into two, you know, if OJ and eight, if OG and eight and are coming, and you keep the pick, that's fine. If you mm-hmm. only can get OG and Scoot Henderson, there's no way in hell. That may, I, I would say they would need, a, not a miracle, but they need everyone to remain, remain healthy and everything to go well to be a top six seed. They're not going to contend. Dame's going to ask out. That's my prediction on that. Like To me, I'd be disgusted, especially if I knew they could get someone else for that third pick and didn't do it, I'd be disgusted and I'd ask out if I were Dame. But that's just me. All right, so let, let's let's go through these. Let's Let's start with, Bridges, because Bridges is, is the name most people talk about because, one, Dame talks about him. They're BFFs. He'd be the perfect small forward for this team. Like, if they could plug him in as a starting small forward with Grant, even if you keep Nurkic, with Thibel and, and Sharp rotating at the two, and then Dame as a starting point guard, obviously. Like, that's a pretty good basketball team. I don't think it contends for a title. I think you still need one more dude, but that's another story. Uh, where do you think things are with Bridges? And, you know, again, it's, it's easy for fans or media to throw it. I would tr- trade this and that and that and this. Brooklyn has to want to move Bridges, which if I'm Brooklyn, I've, I would feel like I won the lottery because I yeah. moved 35-year-old Durant, got a bunch of picks, and my franchise small forward mm-hmm. in, in the process. So where do you think things could land with a Bridges to Portland discussion? Well, the Mikhail Bridges thing isn't just how good of a fit he would be with, um, with the Blazers and Dame or mm-hmm. how good of a fit he is with, with Brooklyn. I mean, if you look at Mikhail Bridges' contract, which I'll pull up right now, it is maybe the most team-friendly contract for an all-star caliber player in the NBA. So he is paid um, – I mean, it's just ridiculous. He is it's paid – 20-something, right? Yeah, he makes 21, 23, 24 well, – it's really 22, 24 – 22, 23, 25, the next three years. So he's under contract on a contract that maxes out at $25 million and is under contract through 2026. So it, 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 you can do a lot of stuff with a player who's making that kind of money. I mean, Jeremy Grant's going to be at the beginning of a contract that's going to start higher than that. And I think we agree that Mikhail Bridge is a better player. I mean, that said, was talking to somebody at the combine who, as we were game theorying this out, got mm-hmm. pretty excited, and this is not a Blazers person, but got pretty excited just at the prospect of a Jeremy Grant, Mikhail Bridges front line. And that the idea that, you know, that that sort of defensive length, uh, switchable defenders, um, three and D talent. I mean, and, and Mikhail's turned into more than that too. And Jeremy's done more than that, but I think that's probably his his sweet spot with this Blazers team, um, yeah. is, is pretty appealing. It's pretty, you can see a real um, sort of identity with, with that, especially if Shaden's going to defend at the two um, and kind of what his physical attributes are, if he has a good summer, 
And at that point, it's well. I mean, you could you could play Nurkic at the five. I mean, you could you could go out and sign, uh, you know, you could sign kind of you know long rim protecting center of your of your choice. You know, you don't need you don't need it to be a DeAndre Ayton. It needs to be a you know a slightly better Damian Jones. Probably um, you can you could do a lot there. So I think you know I think that opens up a lot of potential options for the Blazers. The problem is who rebounds the, who rebounds though. It's a good. Grant I mean, yeah, and Bridges yeah. both I mean, average I mean, four rebounds. Right. I mean, game. I think that that's where your 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 center of choice <laughs> rebounds. But um, but I do think that it's going to be really hard with Brooklyn. You know, and and one thing I'll say about an event like the Combine is everybody's looking for intel, and I think teams are you know very mindful of that. So yeah, everything you hear, you have to take with a bit of a grain of salt because you don't know who is who is sending up a spoke screen or who's playing close to the the vest, but. I don't see the incentive for Brooklyn to move off of Shaden Sharp, or excuse me, to move off of Mikhail Bridges unless right. it is a an overpay, unless it's, you know, a deal they can't refuse. And, you know, short of a horse's head being dropped in Sean Marks's uh satin sheets, <laughs> you know, I think the Blazers would have to overpay for Mikhail. And if you're gonna if you're getting into we're gonna trade the number three and I, I if if you're getting into we're gonna trade the number three and Shaden Sharp which is a haul plus, you know, whatever other salary, if it's ant or other pieces, um, if it's future first as well, I would have to start saying, well, if I'm giving up that much is Mikhail Bridges really the best player I can get. And then I would turn my attention to Jalen Brown. Um, you know, you're obviously talking Pascal Siakam. I'd take bridges over Siakam myself, but there's uh, certainly room for debate. You there, love sure. bridges. I do love bridges. I mean, he's you love bridges. Like I love ant. It's cute. Thank you. Uh, I mean, I've watched, I mean, I guess one thing I'll say is I like him too, man. You you get into the question of, you know, of, you know, who's going to guard LeBron and Paul George in the West. I mean, is, is is it Jeremy Grant? Is it McHale? I mean, those guys are not those big physical wings. Like we've, we've seen kind of dominate the Western conference, Michael Porter jr. But, um, but that's a really, that's a really good front line. But if you, if you could put those two guys together, so, um, Yeah, I mean, let's go through your list. Who else? We, who else we got? Or I mean, I don't know. Well, do, you, do you see a path to the Mikhail Bridges that I'm I'm not seeing? Because I just don't see what incentive Brooklyn has whatsoever to move him, unless it's just an insane offer. Again, it comes down to how much they covet that number three pick, and if they want to just go a little bit younger and and start a rebuild that way, or if they feel like Bridges is their guy, so you got to come with, like you said, Ant. Number three and sharp to me, Ant number three and sharp is ridiculous. There's no way I would do that. I don't think Bridges anywhere near that good. I have a little bit of reservations on him just because, you know, again, most most good players in the NBA can go to a bad team and put up numbers. Like if, if Anthony Simons, if you trade Anthony Simons for Bridges straight up or, or with a three pick, Anthony Simons next year for Brooklyn averages twenty eight and eight, guaranteed. He was twenty one and four this year, playing alongside a ball hog. Ball hog, a good ball hog, but still a ball hog. Now he gets to go to Brooklyn on a bad team and be the ball hog. He's going to score seven more points per game. And he's going to be in control of the ball for 38 minutes as opposed to mm-hmm. 18 with Dame, and he's going to get the assist. When Dame was out, had surgery a couple years ago, he was putting up those types of numbers close mm-hmm. to it mm-hmm. in those two months. So, so then the question is, are the numbers the reflection of someone being great or the reflection of someone being on a mediocre team so they get all the shots they want? I do think Bridges Bridges gives you a lot more than Ant because of the length and the defense. So one for one, as much as it hurts my heart to say it, I would take Bridges. But am I going to give up the third pick to, to to make up for the gap between those two? Man, that's tough. And there's no way I'm including am I including Sharp. 
just there's just no way I would ever do that. Um, and I, I'd and have I, to get, and, and I think that's where the impasse is. And I think, yeah, I think and the, I think you agree with that. Would agree with you. And, and right, I, so and for I, that, I'm getting Browner and Bead. <laughs> right? You know, it takes me back to like when I used to watch Who Wants to Be a Millionaire with my dad, and <laughs> and he would and I would and he would always get really okay. mad when people would would go for it at for the five hundred thousand dollar question, and they already because they already had the thirty two thousand locked in, and then they'd get it wrong and they would get thirty two thousand. They'd be like, "Well, I'm still leaving here with more than I came with." And it's like, yeah. you idiot, you could have had $250,000 and that's way more than 32000 You didn't need to take a flyer on the $500,000 question. It does feel a little bit like that with the Blazers and the three pick because the three pick is found money for the Blazers. You know, if, they, right. if they'd sl- slip to seventh, there's no question. They'd be trading it for whatever they could trade it for. And it would not be, we would not be talking about the seven pick having any real heft in a deal for, you know, a... Mikhail Bridges, a Jalen Brown, Pascal Siakam, you know, you're throwing a lot of futures into that. You're really trying to build it up, you know, into a, into that's a piece of a package as opposed to the headlining part of a package. So the Blazers didn't go into the lottery with the number three pick, you know, so they kind of stumbled into that. They've never had Scoot Henderson. So it is kind of found money. So they're not losing anything by just swapping it. They simply just upgraded from the seven. I think the seven was where they were most likely to land. So you can, maybe talk yourself out of the three pick in a sense, but over the long-term planning, that player is really, really good. And so I don't know. I don't know if I'm making sense here, but it just feels, it just feels like, it just feels like it's a, um, if you never wanted to pick in the first place and you, like you said, could have been seventh and you're third. And now all of a sudden it's more valuable. And I'm just throwing it in with ant to get bridges. You were going to trade it anyway. Right. That's what I'm saying. So, yeah. So, so I would do, I would do Ant in number three because I do think getting Bridges, Bridges makes Dame ec- ecstatic. And then I can still maybe go out with – but see, God, am I going to move sharp? Like how do you – because I still think you need another guy. But anyway, if you go – if you start with Dame, Sharp, Bridges, Grant, Nurkic even, you're – yeah, you're, you're, a lot, you're better. You're, you're a lot closer and – Right. And you, and then you get pres- some vets. And you presumably have those future picks to work with. And at the right. dead and at the deadline, you have future picks. And you know, I mean, like OG Ananobi is a guy that, of course, has been linked to the Blazers for a long time. And I don't know that you need Jeremy Grant, Mikhail Bridges, and OG Ananobi. But let's yeah. say you get to the deadline and Ananobi's on an expiring, and it, it, he hasn't been moved yet. You can probably get him for a lot less than you than it's going to cost this summer. So there's, right. you know, there's, um, there's a <clears throat> there's a lot of factors there. Who's okay. next? Okay, so Aiden came up last week because someone named Fletch down in Phoenix threw out that Aiden was going to be on the trade block and that he's heard, you know, grumblings that, or rumblings that, I always say grumblings, rumblings that uh, the Blazers and the number three pick could be involved. At first, he made it sound like it would be the number three pick and pieces for Aiden, which a lot of people were like, what? And then he said, no, I didn't mean it that way. I meant the extra pieces would come from Phoenix, which I don't know what those pieces would be. Maybe other picks, whatever. I don't see anyone on the roster that wouldn't make any sense. But <clears throat> to me, the, the number three pick in any fashion for Aiden is, is a non-starter for me. I'd rather have Nurkic and a number three pick than Aiden. So and whatever I've, else you're going to throw in. I've heard some talk about the Blazers and Aiden, but more as potentially a third piece in a deal that facilitates DeAndre Aiden to Dallas. Aiden to Dallas was something I kept hearing in Chicago. 
And and Kyrie to Portland. <laughs> there you go. Um, <laughs> I, and I don't know exactly what the Blazers are getting here, except for potentially getting off of Yusuf Nurkic. Um, if Aiton goes to Dallas, you could see Nurkic having some appeal in Phoenix. And right. so that would I could see something like that. I mean, the thing about Nurkic, for as good as he's been, you know, when he's been healthy in Portland, and I know he's an inconsistent player, but you know, he has his moments where he's 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 just fantastic. Um, you know, not the rim protector. You know, really hasn't been healthy. He's not the contract's not horrible, but it's the first year of a deal that's you know in the high teens for the next three years. I do think, and I think I've said this to you before. I think that's going to be a contract you're going to see get moved a lot over the next over the next few years, where you know he's going to get you know potentially traded this summer you know, traded next deadline to a team that needs help and your reinforcements up front. Cause it's not so expensive that you can't find the piece <clears> to get it there, but it's expensive enough that it takes up real estate on your, on your books that you would like to get off of. So I think that deal is going to get moved quite a bit. I agree probably, but here's my, here's my deal on Nurkic, man. You know, the guys paid 17 million and people want him to play like he should be making 40. It mm-hmm. drives me nuts. If you're paying a guy 17 million, you can't expect him to be 20 and, and 15 every freaking night. That doesn't make no, any sense. Because if think... he's that guy, no, hold, on, hold on a second. If he's that guy, if he's that guy, then he's making too much. He's making too much. But you need to have an alternative with Nurkis, like I've said before, in terms of matchups, in terms of certain nights. But when that guy's on, that guy's legit. Their defense fell to garbage when he went out. Like the, the rating went from like consistently around 115 into the 20s when Nurkic went out. His defensive rating is way better than Aiden's defensive rating. He's a better passer than Aiden. He's developed at least a threat of a three-point shot. If I'm Phoenix, if I can get Nurkic for Aiden and something, I would rather have Nurkic than Aiden because Nurkic can shoot, like I said, from distance, and he's a better passer. He's going to take better advantage of Durant, Booker, et cetera, et cetera. And he's going to be a little bit cheaper. Why would I want to pay Aiden 32 if I can have Nurkic for 17? I'd rather have Nurkic for 17. So I think if Nurkic ends up on a really good team that has contending abilities, he's going to find a role and come playoff time, he's going to be an issue for people because he's huge. He can eat up space. He can rim protect at times and he can pass. So on the right team, that dude could have a role helping a team win the title. So it depends on where he goes for me. That's just me. Yeah, I think he's probably a backup on a, a title team, but um, we'll see. I mean, so who who's Miami starting center right now? Oh, it's, I guess I guess Bam is Bam starting at center? Yeah, Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Um, and listen, but would you rather have him? Would you rather have him at the four? No, you don't need you don't need an all star at center. You need you need somebody who's who plays defense and who is you know is a, a vertical threat. And I think, especially with a player like Dame. So I mean, I just don't. Th- I don't know. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to bag on Nurkic. I just don't think he's really the long-term option, the, the long-term solution there. You know, I don't know what like, Nas, I agree. I don't know what Nas Reed's market is going to be this summer or even uh, somebody like Andre Drummond, who I don't love, but like it, Andre Drummond for a mid-level or Nurkic for 18 million, I would probably take, I'd probably take the, the, the Drummond and then, and then bring back Eubanks as the backup. I mean, there's just, there's just, Drummond. Uh, on a on a mid level, so much of this. No, I about, hear you. I so hear much you. of this is about contract you. and flexibility versus. I watched Drummond player. a lot because I'm a Bulls fan and Drummond. I watched Drummond a lot because I covered the Lakers when they when they he's when hilarious. they shot Mark Gasol into the sun. I mean, it just. <laughs> and I, by the way, you can go back and read my coverage at the Athletic, um, but only if you're already a subscriber to the Oregonian Oregon Live. And you will see that I thought the Drummond pickup was a disaster for the Lakers from the beginning. Because one, right. Marcus Saul had, this is such a, a, a digression, but it's my podcast and your podcast. Um, <laughs> they, 
the Lakers had Marcus All, who had played well, but he wasn't right. scoring, and everybody was freaking out. Like, why isn't he scoring? But he was facilitating. The offense was humming when he was on the floor. He was doing his defensive thing. <clears throat> then he got COVID, and everything went to hell. And the Lakers thought we need to take advantage of the buyout market. Oh, we can get Andre Drummond, and they sold Andre Drummond on being part of a big three with LeBron and AD. Like they totally lied to him, and then and then they and then they treated him like a role player. So I mean, it was just a disaster. He should have never gone to LA. It was bad for him. It was bad for the Lakers. It was obviously horrible for Marcus All. So that was a mistake. But I think it could be a better situation elsewhere. And I think we've seen him, you know, settle in into different situations as a role player much better. Okay, keep going. I hear. Okay. Um, oh, one thing I would consider, let me ask you this, uh, Ant, to me, Ant for Aiden makes sense. I don't hate that. I think it makes, I also think it makes sense for Phoenix, right? If Phoenix, yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm talking Phoenix about. Phoenix yeah. is going to need some guard help uh, for um, obvious they can't reasons. Rely on CP, they can't Not, rely on CP3 again, dude. Come on. Why? And and I don't it's think they're getting 39. off that deal. So, I mean, although we've learned. Well, that it's, on, it's not fully guaranteed, though. When does it come? Chris Paul. So Chris Paul has fifteen, only $15 million guaranteed for next season. So they can get out of there for $15 million, okay. And then the final year is not, not guaranteed at all either. Okay. But apparently, they're go. reporting that they're going to pick it up, is what people are saying. Which, to me, is just crazy. Because I, I would cut him loose. And maybe, I, maybe I don't know what the rules are, if they can bring him back or not. But, not dude, he's going he's gonna to get he's gonna get hurt again. He's going to be 39. Yeah. Anyway, all right. All right, okay. move off of Aiton. Let's go to Siakam. <clears throat> so, now, Siakam's a name that seems to come, you know, to drop out there as maybe potentially being available, but I don't – I haven't really heard much about Toronto actually being actively trying to move it – move him, excuse me. What? But if, if he is available in your Portland, what would you give up for him? Or what are you hearing that people – that people are saying that they might give up for him? Well, so – If you are hearing. Toronto has to make a decision about – about what direction they're going to go. You know, if they're going to, if they're going to re-sign Siakam and OG, you know, as they've got, you know, this Scotty Barnes, you know, sort of sensation coming, coming up. I, I think that the expectation is that they will cut OG and Siakam and Trent all loose this summer um, to, to get the pieces to rebuild and have a longer runway around Scotty Barnes. And so if that is what ends up happening and those guys are both available, you're making mm-hmm. faces. Why are you making faces? The people can't see your faces, but I can see your face. I know because I know where you're going. And this is where I was going to go to. Keep going. Keep going. Well, I'm I just I, say it. Say it. You, you want both? You want both of them? <laughs> yes. Yes. Dude. And number three, sharp salary match for Siakam and OG. Done. They would have the number three pick and sharp to move forward with Scotty Barnes. Oh my God. That's a glorious four to move forward with. Plus, they're going to suck one more year and get a lottery pick next year. Portland gets their thir- their their small forward and a guy who can play power forward and and center. Done. That team contends. Uh, Dame, Matisse, OG, Grant, Siakam. Boom. So here's the here's the tricky part of that, and I would have to get my uh, my my salary cap hotline uh, fired up because this is not my area <laughs> of expertise. But. Just so oh you know, I tend to throw out trades without even considering the cap. <laughs> God, that team is expensive after next year because you are paying Jeremy Grant this summer. Dame is, you know, nudging upward into perpetuity, and OG and Siakam are both free, unrestricted free agents after next year. So there is a real world where you're only having those four together for one year. Now, 
you're in win now mode. Then I don't do it. Then I don't do it. And I just don't know if, and I, again, I'm, I need someone smarter. Maybe, maybe one of our, maybe one of our listeners does understand this a little bit better than I do. Uh, hit us, hit us on the subtext. Of course. What's that number again, Aaron? <laughs> it's at the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> no, I have it right here on, on this sheet somewhere. Keep going. Hit, hit us on the subtext, but I, <laughs> I don't, and I actually, so I did discuss this scenario with, with someone at the combine. Um, and the, the thought there was if you were to do it, maybe you make the move, get both those guys. You can't pay them both, but you let the season play out a little bit. And then you make a decision kind of partway through on, you know, we're going to, we're going to, you know, invest in Siakam or Ananobi, and then you know you either you trade you trade one of them or you let one of them let one of them walk after the year. But I think it would probably be more of a trade unless you're looking like the the best team in the league. And if you're looking like the best team in the league, maybe you trade Grant, maybe you trade Grant and 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 keep Siakam and OG and Dane. I mean, those are probably your three best players. As much as I like Jeremy Grant, so I just think it um, it leads to. Uh, some tough decisions, but I mean, tough de- decisions also mean flexibility. So um, yeah. there's something there. If we dial it back and we don't go Godfather, <laughs> off, okay. if, if we reel in Fentress and his fantasies, Siak- okay, go ahead. You can say it. Siakam's the name that um, Siakam's the name that came up the most, and people around the league seem to agree makes the most sense. In terms of okay, that subtext number is five zero three three eight six zero zero nine five. Go ahead, Bill. Sorry, makes uh, is is a great positional fit. Is you know, you know, plays plays the game the right way and the fit around around Dame and, and Jeremy is probably not going to cost you the house. I think you can get him for probably the three and Ant. Um, again, as long as Toronto makes the decision to rebuild around Scotty Barnes, if they decide they're going to but they they now have they now have um Jacob Pertle and it's it sounds like Pertle's going to stay i and not that see a player like Siakam is ever expendable but i think that when you look at the fact you're going to have to pay him in the 40s starting next year um you know you just can't keep paying these guys and so i think that's why there is a thought that he probably makes the most sense for the Blazers um, and, and for and for Toronto and for Toronto to make to make that move, I mean OG is right there. I would feel better about giving up the number three pick in this draft for Siakam than OG Ananobi, unless you're getting more back from Toronto. But I don't get the right. sense the Blazers want to trade the pick for a package of guys, unless it is two super high level players like you're talking about. I've been I've gotten the sense the Blazers do not have any interest in trading down in the lottery. Like, you know, with the idea of getting a player and a pick, I mean, there's a couple of scenarios there that I think could be interesting. Um, you know, I don't know what you would think of something like this, but does Orlando have the number six pick and 11, I think. Right. So could you do something with them that involves uh, Wendell, Wendell Carter, Carter and then, and then a pick or, you know, so, something there, you know, yeah. what, what's Utah going to do with the ninth pick? I mean, Utah has so much trade, so much draft capital in this, in this, uh, in this draft, um, do they, do they value Scoot Henderson? Um, you know, I have really gotten the sense they're not coming off Lori Markinen, but you know, sure. sure. Um, you know, Walker Kessler just had a great year. He'd be great for the Blazers. Would they do the nine and Walker Kessler for, for the three? Um, I'd be kind of interested in that. And then you flip the nine again, but then you're really, you're really putting a lot of faith in a second year center and Walker Kessler, who was phenomenal last year for the jazz. But is that good enough? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, but I don't get the sense that the Blazers are interested in, in splitting their interests in that way. I think they want yeah. to maximize the value of the three pick. 
either in a trade or by getting the best player on the board. Right. Agreed. Um, so what, so what would you do for Siakam? Like, what do you think it would take? And what, what would you like? I wouldn't do all three. When I say all three, I'm talking Ant, number three, and Sharp. No way I would do that. I would definitely do Ant and number three. That would be a given. I think that that's the deal. <clears throat> I mean, I, you know, and, and Masai Ujiri isn't going to lose too many trades, but, and I don't think he's losing that one. I mean, so the money doesn't quite work with Siakam because he's making 35, but the, yeah, I mean, but the, Blaz- but the Blazers have piece, other pieces. They have their trade exceptions from the yeah. Josh Hart and Gary Payton deals. Um, and so I think that the Blazers have mechanisms to get that done in a deal that looks mostly like the three and Anthony Simons. And I just don't see, you know, the, the, um, the, the, the Raptors are going to lose Fred Van Vliet this summer. So, mm-hmm. or are likely going to lose Fred Van Vliet. So Anthony Simons is a pretty, str- pretty dang strong replacement for that production. And you get the three pick, you know, to presumably use on, on, um, on Scoot Henderson and give you that point guard of the future. And you play Scoot, Scoot, Ant, and Scotty Barnes with, with Jakob Hurdle. I mean, that's a pretty, I mean, I'm feeling pretty good about that as a, as a, as a young core, frankly. I wonder if they would look for a third team to try and move Ant since they might want to start Scoot right away. Well, I mean, or, or start him in the back. I mean, you start him in the backcourt together. I guess it doesn't matter because again, you're not going to try and win. You're going to try and get another lottery pick the next year. So you just yeah. worry about the positions later. Sort of like what Sacramento did with Tyrus Halliburton yeah. and Aaron Fox. Yeah. I mean, because if you're, yeah. if you're going that route, you have time to let things kind of not work positionally settle. and, and yeah. let things settle and let those players develop and frankly increase their value. I mean, Tyrese yeah. Halliburton, the return on Tyrese Halliburton, you know, a year ago was astronomically higher than it would have been on draft night. So draft day, yeah. and, wasn't and, he, what pick was he? 11? 12, I'm feeling 13? 11 or 12 in, yeah. off, off, off the top of my head. And, and people thought he fell, right? But you weren't trading that pick right. for Montes Sabonis on draft night. So, um, and that's, right. and, and right. that's, that's an option for the Blazers too. It just doesn't address the, the immediate fix immediate. of it all. And right. I, I don't know. I just don't know. I I don't know how I mean I think there is a danger to just capitulating to Damien's timeline and Damien's needs, but because you what you can't do is is blow the the trade that you make. It can't be the wrong guy. You can't shove in all your assets and get a guy that does or get a set of guys who don't make you good enough and then Damien says, "You know what? I want out anyway." Like that really that really costs well, yeah, well, well, any what, year. What yeah, wouldn't I mean? It seems to me that once they zero in on what they can get, then you say to Dame, "Do you think you can win with yeah. this? Are you committed?" And he says, "Yes, fine." And then Dame's not going anywhere. You said I, you're committed. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work, and, and, unless we decide to trade you, yeah. <laughs> right? If you can't put a team together that Dame goes, "Yeah, I think I can win with that," then it's time to cut bait. But we're gonna get to that in a second. Yep. So let's get to the next player. Uh, the one I think is the most fun to talk about and the one that I covet the most, and that's Jalen Brown from Boston, who reportedly has been unhappy for whatever, I mean, several different reasons, I guess. I can't imagine why Boston would split this up. Kendrick Perkins the other day said something about they, they've reached their ceiling with these two, which just really irritated me because we're just in this era where, especially in the NBA, man, when you don't win, it's like, Someone's got to go. We've seen all these good coaches get fired. I mean, now there's talk that Doc Rivers might be the leading candidate in Phoenix. So like, good teams are just going to swap coaches that's all over a, the place. That's a downgrade for the Suns, man. Monty Williams is a better basketball coach than Doc Rivers. <clears throat> maybe he is. Maybe he isn't. I don't know. I just think the whole NBA is just crazy with the way it deals with coaches. It's just bizarre to me. But 
it's, it's kind of been that way for a while. I mean, hell, my bo- my Bulls went to back-to-back Eastern Conference Finals and then got rid of jo- uh, Collins, right, to hire an unknown assistant who'd never been head coach before, Phil Jackson. They won six titles, right? So sometimes these things can work out, but still. Um, but anyway, if Jalen Brown becomes available, that's where I would consider Ant number three and Sharp. I would consider it. I'm not 100% in on that, but I would consider it for him uh, because of all he brings to the table. I would prefer to get him for Ant in the three. But if things blow up with Dame and you can't get something done to get someone with Dame, then Brown is the only player out there conceivably available that I would just go all in in terms of rebuilding around Jalen Brown by trading Dame to Brown. It's Dame to Boston for Brown. So first, let's talk about what do you think it would take to get Jalen Brown? And do you think I don't know if you had any conversations with Combine or not, but do you think this whole thing is even a thing that he could become available? I just it just blows my mind that this to me this is almost like like I always like to go back to my Bulls like the Bulls trading Pippen after they lost to to, to Detroit for the second straight year in the Eastern Conference Finals. They were twenty five and twenty three or twenty yeah twenty six and twenty three. Tatum and, and Brown are twenty five and twenty six. Like they haven't even entered their prime. The pr- prime year is supposed to be twenty eight to thirty two, right? So they entered their prime yet. You're gonna split them up because you lost to, to Miami. Like, it doesn't make sense. But yeah, your ceiling was you know a really strong final showing against against uh, <laughs> against the team of the decade, and then a, right. and then a um, you know an Eastern Conference Finals exit um, to the team that you knocked out. Blow it up. You know that's it's <laughs> it's just it does feel premature to me, and I and I I think again. You know, it, I mean, I'm just always going to say, follow the money on this stuff. You know, Jalen right. Brown, yeah. J- 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 Brown is Jalen Brown is going to be <laughs> is, is extension eligible this summer. You know, he gets that you know that super max eligibility from making the all in second team all NBA. And to me, you know, it's interesting because I had kind of thought going into the all NBA um, selections, the way it been framed to me was if he makes all NBA, you know, they're going to have to trade him because they won't be able to afford him. But, you know, I thought Adrian Wojnarowski made, you know, a compelling counter argument on, on ESPN recently that, that the, the Supermax actually allows them to avoid losing him because you don't have to worry about him going into free agency next year. And so it gets really expensive, but mm-hmm. um, it locks him up. So it actually keeps that core together. I tend to think that Boston is going to move other pieces to maximize the Tatum Brown pairing. I mean, because those are the two kinds, those are the kinds of players who rule the NBA, you know, again, switchable, big physical wings, um, play both sides of the ball. I mean, Tatum's obviously become a score at every level, but I mean, they are, I mean, I don't know what else you want. I mean, like what more can you (laughs) want? And I don't know if, if it's Scoot Henderson, Shaden Sharp and Anthony Simons, if that makes it's three players. It's three, you know, I think we would agree like three really strong players who with, with high ceilings. Does that actually make Boston better like next year? I don't know. You're going backwards youth wise. But, but you're getting, you're getting more flexible financially. You're getting, you're, you're probably extending your timeline <clears throat> financially. So you're not all locked in. I mean, the Celtics are already a really expensive team and, and it's going to get, more expensive if they extend Jalen Brown. You know, Malcolm Brogdon makes fifty or forty-five million dollars over the next two years. Marcus Smart makes close to sixty million dollars over the next three. Um, Robert Williams makes um, thirty-six. Robert Williams isn't expensive, uh, but you know they they paid Brogdon, they paid Derek White. So it's just 
you know, and you can come off those guys. You can get off Derek White. You probably keep Marcus Smart because of who he is and for your franchise. But Malcolm Brogdon just won Sixth Man of the Year. That just team just gets really expensive. So, yeah. but I also think that if you're gonna go deep, deep into the tax, this is the kind of team you do it with. You're one of the three or four top contenders, probably for the next seven or eight years with these guys. I don't know mm-hmm. why you change direction unless unless you know unless you think scoot henderson is the new is a super is a super duper marcus smart right he's marcus smart but with you know a much higher offensive ceiling and you you know you haven't had a, a score at the guard position like anthony simons for a while and then you think Shaden sharp is just a wild card you know freakish athlete who can who can also defend i mean yeah it gives you a lot more tools but you really have to but you really have to feel like you have to trade Jalen Brown. And I just am not sold on why Boston would be there. Well, he would have to ask out. He would have to ask out. But but unless Boston says, we're not giving you the super max. If Boston says, we're not going to do this. And if Boston says, we're not going to do this, which there've been no indications of, if Boston says, we're not going to do this, then Jalen Brown becomes a free agent, unrestricted free agent in 2024. And at that point, Boston has to trade him. Right. And listen, I, just, I, I, I did I did talk to people about this one as well, and there were definitely I mean, I think the prevailing feedback I got was why would Boston break them up? But right. you know, as a thought exercise, you know, a couple of people went down that road and didn't think it was totally out of the realm of possibility. And that was when Boston was down one oh to Miami. You know, they went into a three oh hole. Um and things were looking pretty dire. I don't think that we're gonna see Boston make some spirited run at this series. It probably ends in game six, but, uh, or in game five, but, um, you know, they certainly showed signs of life in game four. It's just probably too late. Boston's about to win this thing, buddy. Just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> the first time ever. Right. Uh, you know, you know good, we're way, settling into this. We're so Go ahead. I was just gonna say good stat from Mark Stein, uh, on his sub stack, which was that, you know, there's only been three times in NBA history that a team has come back to force a game seven after being down three Oh, and the last mm. time it was done, I mean, I'm Blazers. Sure Blazers against Dallas in 03. Dallas, and, yeah. and I remember that series, of course. And I also would not have, I, probably, I don't know if I would have guessed that that was the last time. It feels it, it feels like it's happened, but maybe it's just because it's happened in, it did happen in baseball, right? It's, yeah, it's a tough thing to do. But the team that's going to be able to do that would be the team that conceivably was the better team. It just got off to a bad start. Boston is conceivably the better team, although they don't look like it. So this would be the scenario where, it kind of could happen, especially coming home for five. They just won there in, in game four, so they would have confidence to win there in game six. But it's, it's still lost. I mean, Miami's really made them look bad, I feel. Anyway, but I want to point out something. We've kind of settled into this couple role where, like, one of us is running around with the credit card just trying to buy up everything, and the other one's like, hey, you got to back up on the spending, and it's more fiscally responsible because I keep yeah. coming up with all these super teams, and you're like, yeah, but it doesn't work salary-wise. So that, that's, a, that's a good matchup. I, I mean, I, I, feel like we need, I feel like we need to have, we need to have um, like, our, our, you know, how, uh, like how on the broadcast they have the refereeing expert come in, like the retired referee come in to say, well, I think that's a good call. I think we need a salary cap guru who we can just unmute on some of these conversations. In fact, I'm wishing now in hindsight that we'd done that and gotten, you know, Eric Pincus or Larry Kuhn and had, and had them uh, on, on speed dial for each of these, each of these questions. We definitely need that because we're kind of settling into these couple roles where I'm running around with the charge card, just spending it willy nilly and putting together these $300 million teams. And then you always come in with, 
yeah, but physically that doesn't really work. And just dousing me with a bucket of cold water. Anyway, that's good that we can have uh, someone who's more grounded in the whole idea of salaries. Although look at the Warriors, man. The Warriors are paying like $700 billion for their team. So I think any team that's serious and has a chance could contend can probably figure it out, but you're not wrong in your assessment financially. All right. <clears throat> so let's say Brown, <clears throat> excuse me, is not available for a bunch of young pieces, but the Blazers have trouble finding that with those one or two guys to become contenders. They're looking to trade Dame. Jalen Brown again, for whatever reason, may want out. You're shaking your head. For who? Who says no? Brown for Dame. Brown for Dame. Who says no? I mean, I think Portland. I think if Portland trades Dame, they they just take they take the pieces. They take picks and young players, and and you need young players under team control. You don't want somebody you're going to have to pay forty five million dollars. You're getting back into the same financial See, issue. You did it again. I mean, he's a good player. You he's a great player. With money, again, you blew up my fantasy with money talk. I think I think that you want you want young, you know, you want young under team control. You want futures that you can use to. You want, I mean, Jalen Brown is just on a different financial timeline, especially at the beginning of a new contract that's going to take effect in a year, than, than, uh, than than the Blazers would be if they're trading Damian Lillard. So no, I don't I don't see that either. Okay, so Brown to, Brown will be making less mm-hmm. than Dame. That's one. If you can convince Grant to stay, if you trot it out there, Ant, Sharp, Brown, Grant, and Nurkic, tomorrow, if they stay healthy, that team is a playoff team. Yeah, I think... I th- and you still have the number three pick. I think that my response to that would be that you are too expensive for what you are. You're too expensive to be the seven seed. I don't think they'd be. The, I don't think that team would be the seventh seed. Mm, I don't know. I mean, the West is the, the West is is in flux. I agree with that, and I think it's a good year. I think I think it's I think old. it's a good time to be just good in the West. Um, but Denver mm-hmm. also is a brick wall, and they're going to be for a while. So, um, mm. what's going to happen? What's how? In what way is Denver going to decline? I don't see. I don't see dynasty in Denver yet. To me, dynasties are winning sixty plus. And then but nobody the cares. But they're, they're winning this year. Cares they're, about the regular but they're winning anymore. this year. It's just like I'm okay, okay. They're winning this year, just like the Warriors. Won. When the Warriors win last year, what did everyone say? They're going to win it again, and they're not winning it again. I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong that Denver isn't going to be pretty good for a while. I'm not buying them as a oh they're about to rattle off three titles in five years or anything. like I that. I think there's yes. a lot of parity in the West, and I think that the evidence we have True. from uh, the, these playoffs and the regular season is that the parity all starts below Denver. That Denver. But, okay. you know, I mean, everybody else is beating each other up and the playoffs are great and the series could go either way. And then Denver just sweeps the other team in the Western Conference Finals. Like that's how, to me, that is an indicator that they're mm, that much better than, than the rest of the West. But, okay, let's let's keep this moving, Aaron. Where we go next? Also, you see how I try to transition after <laughs> All right, I so, my point so you don't come back in with another one of your points? No, it's fine. It's fine. I know. I, I get it. I get it. Um, okay, so we've exhausted Brown. I would definitely do... Brown for Dame, you would not. That's fine. Uh, hold on, I'm trying to get through my list here. Oh, I think it disappeared because of our switcher Rooney. So let me go back to it over here. Here we go. Uh, so we have others. These, these are just names that you know have come up or haven't come up that we're just going to toss out there. Now you mentioned Lowry marketing earlier. I would do the number three pick for Lowry. And again, that's something that would come down to how much Danny Ainge believes that Scoot 
is going to be, you know, a combination of Damian Lillard and Derrick Rose, a uh, reporter for who covers the Utah Jazz says there's no way they would do that uh, because they view Lowry as a, as a cornerstone. And you mentioned friendly salaries mm-hmm. before Lowry's making 17, 18 next year, but he's about to come yeah. up for a big deal. Clearly he's a seven foot all-star who went 25 and 10 on a pretty solid team and shot 50, 40, 88. <laughs> No, he didn't. Un- he's coming to his own final unbelievable huh? year. Yeah. He's coming to his own. He he and Dame on a pick and roll would be ridiculous. Obviously, there's some defensive issues there. Uh, but and again, I'm not saying Utah would do this, but to me, if there was a if there was a chance to get Lowry for number three straight up, because then I could still move Ant for something else, Ant and that Knicks pick or whatever, I would do that. What would you do? Uh yeah, I think if, if Utah was gonna play ball there, I think that'd be a, a pretty compelling uh move. Um, doesn't give you the doesn't give you the the defensive presence that I think we feel that you really need to have around Damian Lillard. I mean, the Blazers have already been pretty dang good offensively the last few years, but I mean that's just a different kind of weapon. Right. It is funny, just as a note from the combine, you know, you talk to a bunch of people, and we were talking through scenarios, and and somebody said, "Well, I don't, I, I like, I don't think you could get, could get Lowry for the number three pick," and I said, "You don't think you could get Kyle Lowry for the number three pick?" <laughs> And then, oh, <laughs> Kyle Lowry. So um, that was that one was on me. I do think that if the Blazers really wanted Kyle Lowry, they could get him for the number three pick. Um, yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, I don't. I, I think the Jazz. I think the Jazz are on a good path with Markinen, unless they were to go just really, really young. And that's not really where they are. I mean, Markinen's a little older than you think. I mean, he's going to be twenty seven, um, or he just turned twenty six, I should say. So he's going to be twenty seven next this time next right. year. Um, you know, Colin Sexton's got a few years under his belt. Um, you know, Walker Kessler's playing ahead. You know, I think Utah's closer to going all in. Um, and maybe, and like, if Dame were to ask out, right? Like, I think Utah is more a team that would be in position to make a push for Dame to like try to win now. Although he's, I think, I don't, I'm, I'm not sold on them as a landing spot for him, but I do think that they would be a team that more like, what, to, what would they give? They have everything to give just picks they, they, and they could go Kessler. They could go with any of their young guys. They have picks coming out their ears. They have all of Minnesota and all of Cleveland's picks. So, I mean, if, right, but, but they give up Kessler. Anyway, go ahead. Um, Sorry. So, I mean, I think, you know, that is probably closer to where they are as opposed to they're closer to being buyers than sellers. If I can just, if I can just simplify yeah, it. Yeah. I hear you. Um, I don't see Lowry. Okay. Um, here's one. I don't know if there's any, way this would actually happen and i want to be very clear that this is a total me throwing junk against the wall but is new orleans is new orleans going to stay on a on a path where they're built around zion and brandon ingram you know brandon ingram's still 25 but he's he's coming he's he's deep into that second contract already making a ton of money um one person i talked to made a passing remark about how they're not going to be able to afford to keep all those guys together as they come up for as they come up for new deals zion um, over the next few years, would would David Griffin want to get younger? And by younger, I really mean cheaper, um, where you have a rookie scale contract as opposed to you know Brandon Ingram on a max. Could you get Brandon Ingram from New Orleans for the third pick? I don't know the answer, um, but it doesn't seem any more crazy than some of these other things we're talking about. Um, I would love that one for the Blazers too. Yeah, that would be money. Um, had they tanked properly <clears throat> during the 15-16 season, they might have been able to draft mm-hmm. Ingram, but Dane wouldn't let him tank. <laughs> the goal that year was absolutely to tank and get a top three or five pick. But yeah, if you got someone like him, I mean, that, that would be absolutely 
perfect in so many different ways. But again, what would it? Yeah, do? and I and I think I think you know and, 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 we're talking about this. The, all of these deals are are similar, right? And it becomes the question of who's the guy that you're willing to give up more for. I think all these deals kind of start with the number three pick and and Simons. It's a it's a player who right. helps you right now, and it's a pick that probably helps you right now also, but then gives you a, a little bit of a longer runway. So, you know, does does that move the needle for for David Griffin, who is as we know is a very aggressive GM? And one thing I will say. Um, we have seen Portland deal with New Orleans before, and and that's you do see recurring sort of um, trade uh, relationships in the NBA. And and if so, right. if New Orleans came away from the the, the CJ McCollum deal feeling like you know that the Blazers were a good trade partner and David Griffin liked dealing with Joe Cronin, um, <clears throat> then I th- I think you could potentially see something there again, whether it's this deal or something else. Um, that said, I mean. After the Blazers got dragged through the mud over the the Gary Payton deal and the Toradol, you know, confusion and, and all that, there was some chatter that New Orleans also had some issues relating to the Larry, the Larry, Nance, Larry Nance piece of, of that yeah. deal. I don't know where that stands or if that would at all be a, a, pro- a prohibiting factor. But um, to me, um, I mean, Brandon Ingram, if you could pry him loose, would absolutely be on the list. You know, not the same kind of defender, but the same kind of length, a much a much, you know, talk about scoring at all, at all levels, um, you know, would be a great fit next to Dame. So I, you know, if Brandon Ingram were to be available, I'd put him, you know, right there near the top, you know, a, a tick below Jalen Brown, but um, really, really right up there for them in terms of fit. Agreed. Agreed. So let's stay with the, let's stay with the Pelicans though. Would you, now would, there's no, there's nothing out there that says Zion's available, but if he were available, and by golly, if I'm the if I'm the Pelicans, I would listen to offers right now because that thing is scary. Although he could, you know, round up the form physically like Embiid did. We'll see. But would you trade for Zion if you were Portland? Yeah, I mean, I think I would. I mean, I I, I don't know. I, again, like you said, there's really no indication that they're going to make that that they're going to cut bait there unless he is, you know, trying to get out. Um, and I think I take I think I take on the risk now. Portland's history of injuries and just sort of the, the perceived curse would make it a really touch and go situation. But I, and I, so I think I'd be hesitant because of that, but I think the talent and the upside and, and the hope that he's figuring out his body and his, the physical side of things uh, now in year four or wherever he is, I, I think you take the risk. I mean, I don't feel great about it, but I would take the risk. All right. Then you heard some rumblings about someone else, maybe. Is there another person? Paul George? This is, again, total conjecture. But if the Clippers, who have, you know, kind of kept tripping over their own feet over the, you know, with each of these playoff runs, if they, are, if they feel like they want to go in a more reliable direction, I feel like Paul George is somebody the Blazers would be interested in. Now, is that the godfather package? I don't think so. Paul George is a guy who gives you 45 or 50 games a year. And that is... You know, it's something you really have to take into consideration. But in terms of skill and where he would fit on the floor, I think it would be really appealing to add Paul George to a Jeremy Grant, Damian Lillard core. But I would be oh my god, it would be very, amazing. very concerned about his health. See, and so, so I don't know. To I, me, it, number three so is off the table. All these things are just it would have to be. It would have to what be was that? Ant. I do Ant for Paul George. I would not do anything involving the number three pick. You could probably, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't, I mean, Jerry West and I have not had this conversation, but I mean, I feel like if you got really deep into your future picks, you know, you might, 
be able to put together a package that you know involve that involves some future firsts and and Anthony Simons that that get that gets you close. But I'll give them the Knicks pick, and and that's it. For all the reasons you just said, man, that guy. Okay, perfect fit. But I'm I'm calling him up real quick. <clears throat> He's thirty. Why can't I find the ages quick enough? This is so ridiculous. What's his age? He's thirty three, right? Yep. <clears throat> Okay, there it is. Sorry. 33. So he's, he's staying perfect timeline. He makes a ton of money. In the last few years, he played 56, 31, 54, 48. Yeah, I, I would just I would just <laughs> highlight that the 48 game year was the the the, the, the hiatus year. Um, and then the 54 game year was the 60. There's still 72 60, games 62 available. 62 game, uh, but whatever it was that year. But yes, I mean, shorter seasons, both of those. 72. But yeah. The last two years he's played. It the last two years years. he's played 80, 87 total games, which is a concern for yeah. a player who's thirty three. So, so, right. So I, I I'd still go for it because you just hope you can nurse him to the playoffs. But I'm not giving up number three and Ant. Like you, you can have Ant because Ant's redundant for us anyway. When I say us. I'm saying as if, 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 as if I was Cronin. Ant's redundant for us. So if I'm telling the Clippers, you can take Ant, but I'm not. And I'll give you the, the next pick, but I'm not giving you the number three pick or a bunch of future firsts. For a thirty-three-year-old who makes a ton of money and can't stay healthy, yeah, because because there's a 50-50 chance he's going to miss playoff games, and that's the thing that's killing the Clippers is that Kawhi and George keep missing playoff games. Yeah, I mean the Kawhi. It's one thing to miss regular season games; you can't be missing playoff. Yeah, at games. a certain point, that becomes a skill as well. And you know, when, when you look at Kawhi and PG, yeah, do the Clippers say this is not this is not working? Um, <clears throat> but I I agree. I I I I think that the the health concerns would drive would drive Paul George's price down, and I frankly think that if if you were going to give the number three pick and a player, um, that the Clippers would almost have a moral obligation to to accept that deal, uh, an ethical an ethical oh, yeah. imperative. But um, I don't know. So I mean, I don't know, Aaron. I think there's names out there. I mean, I think it's a sh- relatively short list. I mean, there's probably two or three guys we didn't talk about who Joe Cronin, if he's listening or was listening, would say, "Oh, good thing they didn't talk about you know Player X," or oh, they haven't <laughs> snuffed out the fact right. that we're thinking about Player X. But um, right. I don't know who that is. I mean, I do not think Carl Anthony Towns is a is an option for the Blazers. I don't think he makes sense. Oh, I forgot I about him. He is. I don't he's, think he has that much value around the league. I don't think there's a team in the league that would trade okay. the third overall pick for him. Um, so I agree there. Antho, Antho. I mean, he, I just don't think he's a very good fit. I they don't think have, he's a very good fit. I think I think you are better served okay. because also, you know, Ant's your guy that's <clears> going to have to go out in almost any of these deals. So his value, you can only trade him once, and so I'm I'm saving him for a deal that I know makes me makes me a lot better. So I. I, I don't I don't see I don't see Cat coming here. I think I, I think I see Cat going somewhere to a team. Boy, does this exist to a team that is even more Dallas. more desperate than the Blazers? How about a sign and trade Kyrie for Cat if you're Dallas? Um, boy, it, oh before okay before we close, go say, doesn't it seem like Kyrie's going to end up in with the Lakers? Like, doesn't it feel like a leverage play by LeBron to get Kyrie to the Lakers? <laughs> That's what, I, so that's what I was going to ask you. Since you covered the Lakers, you might have some insight on this. One, LeBron in the home, I may not come back. Man, I called that out. A lot of people yeah. did too. Like th- To me, that's all theater. That's yeah. all drama. He's in Hollywood. He's going to play that up. He's coming back, right? You agree. There's no way he's not playing next year. Right? I agree. I think, you know, I don't, I wouldn't say no chance, but I, you know, because at some point he's going to, he's going to retire. And he also just isn't declining 
rapidly enough where it's going to be one of those situations where his body's going to tell him he has to retire. But he just signed a two-year extension, and he is playing great. He had a near triple, a four, almost a forty-point triple double in Game Four, um, on it with a team that, you know, I think outkicked its coverage in terms of where it ended up in the season. Um, a, a team that seemed like it was figuring some stuff out that should probably be kept together for next year. So I think he's tired. I think this season was, I think the last four seasons have been, have been just absolutely grueling for LeBron. When you go back to the bubble and all it took to win that title and then coming right back a month later and starting another, another year, you know, then you had injuries. And then that, that was really since the bubble, there've been the injuries. And I think that the rehab and the anticipation and the uncertainty of his health, just how hard it has been to, to win games. Um, I think that's taken a real toll on him. And, and yeah, that's why they need someone. Like so Kyrie. the emotional, physical, mental side of it is, I think, I think dragging him down, but I just do not see him waking up on, you know, August 1st or whenever he ultimately ends up making a decision saying, you know what, I'm done. I'm done with basketball. I don't think he's done with basketball. So it's, it appears to me that what they need is they need a guy who's dynamic enough to carry games and someone like Kyrie, but he's just been so unreliable in other mm-hmm. areas, but maybe he's ready to straighten up. So do you think that's something that could happen, especially since Kyrie could probably be had for less than what he would have gotten had he not been a knucklehead the past few years, which have been probably been five years, $200 million. If he could be had for less, do you think that could happen? Because it almost feels like He's, he's going to be an available guy who has the talent that they desperately need. Can LeBron get him to buy in and, and not be a diva and help them try and win? I think that would title? be the bet, right? You've seen it before. Kyrie has obviously gone on his own magical mystery tour since, since he was with, was with <laughs> LeBron and LeBron seemed to have a pretty good feel for what buttons to push with, with, with Kyrie. I, I think that that is the bet the Lakers would make. Um, LeBron clearly wants it. LeBron has wanted it. I kind of think the Lakers have a good thing going. I don't know if it's a team that is going to come back next year and beat Denver the way Miami has come back and, and beaten and is is beating Boston. But I think that they have enough of a good thing going. And I like, I mean, delo has been a problem though. That's the problem. Like I like the balance of their roster, but you can upgrade delo And if you can upgrade delo with Kyrie, God, I really would not want that headache. But you know what? Not my headache anymore. So um, sure, why not? Yeah, <laughs> the drama would be amazing. Are you kidding me? That's I just know that if I was covering if I was covering oh. the Lakers still, I would be dreading <laughs> what this summer is going to look like because this summer is going to be, you know, it's going to be right. it's going to be the daily LeBron tea leave reading of is yep. is yep. is he going to retire? You're not going to be able to spend time with your family without wondering if you're missing a LeBron <laughs> retirement update. I I don't envy my friends on the Laker beat there. Uh and in person personally uh delighted that instead I'm here with you. Oh, that's so sweet. All right. Well, I think we have run through the league. We've run through all these options and we've come to the conclusion that nothing's going to happen and they're going to trade Dane. So <laughs> With that, no, no, we haven't. We, is that wrong? Uh, that might that, be your conclusion. Your conclusion, but uh, I, 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 you know, you sent a tweet the other day, Aaron, before we sign off. That I, I think, and you sent a lot of tweets, and this one was not about Michael Jackson or the Chicago Bears, because, uh, but the one that I thought that you you sent that actually kind of broke through okay. is, and and I think uh-huh. that this is the thing that you know we we project. Oh, could this happen? Could this happen? Yes. Uh, there's a lot that could happen. 
and none of it may happen. But even Joe Cronin doesn't know what is going to happen. And there's a scenario where Damian Lillard right. still gets traded this summer. You know, that's still there's still oh, yeah. ways that the cookie could crumble. And that's and Dame says, you know what, this is not for me anymore. And then the Blazers send 100%. him to one of his locations. Like we can sort of we can sort of prioritize what um, what we think the Blazers want or what's most likely. But we don't know. Neither does Joe Cronin. Neither does, you know, anybody. Mm-hmm. So here's what the Blazers are going to do. They're going to do their due diligence. They're going to figure out what the and I, I hate sa- saying this because I'm going to sound like I'm going to sound like a GM, but they're going to figure out what that pick is worth. They're going to figure out who wants that pick the most. They're going to see, they're going to canvas the league just like they do every year. Mm -hmm. Their priority is to trade the pick and get Dame immediate help and to, and to contend with Dame, whether the other 29 GMs in the league would do that or not is kind of irrelevant because that's what the Blazers are going to do. And they're going to go through those options. And like you said earlier in this podcast, and you've said on Twitter, they'll then take those to Dame and they'll say, Hey, we can do this. We can do this. We can do this. And, Dame will have a voice in that conversation. And if he says, I don't think any of those are good enough, frankly, then I think the Blazers would be in a position where they'd say, well, if those aren't good enough, we can't do any better. You know, tell us the three teams you would want. What do you want to do? If you don't want to be here with any of those configurations, then we need to draft Scoot. And if you can't be okay with us drafting Scoot, right. then tell us three places you want to go and we will get you to one of them. Can't tell you yeah. which we can't guarantee we're we can't guarantee we're getting you to Miami. We can't guarantee we're getting you to New York. Can't guarantee we're getting you to Chicago. Whatever, but we'll we'll get really? you to one of them. And I think that that's probably the way that would well, go. hard to stand though, right? What was that hard to stand now? It's hard to stand I mean, now. As of as of things. every single conversation I had in Chicago, the expectation is he's going to Houston. That the, the, the personal that the personal um, factor is too is too is too big. You know, his family's in Houston. His life's okay. in Houston. If the if the Sixers had an off day um, or without a practice, you know Harden was making his way to Houston to be to be at home. So to me, that is ultimately going to be, you know, it's going to be one of the biggest you know, scales to tip the summer. I don't really know why the Rockets would. He does not fit what they are doing at all. Hello, but they are. Uh, Hello, but they are they are desperate. So. Maybe they are a team that signs James Harden, trades some pieces for Carl Anthony Towns, and and stinks next year. So anyway, out of Philly's that list because if Harden's out of there, that's like the perfect landing spot for Dame. That I mean, even more so than Miami. It seems yeah, like. but it's just it's just hard. But, they don't have okay. I mean, they're they're they they've they've tra- they well, traded get, everything get, to get Harden, and they're going to lose him in free agency. So they're they're assets. They're they're an asset poor team yeah. to get a player like you know. I guess if you. I don't know. It's it's just hard. It's complicated, which is is why uh, Joe Cronin gets paid the big bucks, and we don't. Did they give up a lot of picks in the Ben Simmons trade? Yeah, let's pull that up. Hold on. For Harden, because I thought they still had a lot of picks left. My understanding is that they so are pretty Maxi, strapped. Maxi Tobias, Maxi Tobias, and and picks maybe. Then the Blazers would have. Ant, Maxi, and Scoot. God, you love it. You love it. Your fantasy team must be really good. <laughs> I wouldn't like that lineup. They need size, man. I want Ant to be a starter somewhere. That's my main thing. So they they did they uh, did anyway, send they did, he's they did send two firsts <laughs> in the in the Harden deal. So I don't know which. Okay, so they could be limited, yeah, but. So they, they can send two more out in the future, maybe. Anyway, all right. 
we will revisit that at a later date. So, man, we got a lot, lot coming up these next few weeks before the draft. And we will be here on the Sports by Northwest podcast, as well as the Blazer Focus podcast, which I do with Craig Burnback. Breaking it down for you. The NBA offseason is always quite entertaining. Thanks for listening. Remember that this podcast is supported by the Pacific, excuse me, the Pacific Office Automation 147, which is coming June 2nd and 3rd to the Portland International Raceway. Also, please join our subtext campaign, 14-day trial to receive text directly from myself and Bill with all of our sports insights. And then you can respond back to us and even have a back and forth and tell us if we're right. Tell us if you think we're wrong. Thanks for listening. Please click the subscribe button. And the number for that season is 503-386-0095. We'll be back next week. Thank you.